0: And welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today, my guest is Colombian photojournalist and documentary photographer Nicolas Enriquez. He's actually based out of New York, and uh, it's his photo essay called Bloodline that really caught my attention recently. And he takes us into the everyday life of a New York City organized gang. Welcome, Nicolas.
1: Hey, how are you, everyone?
0: Great great to have you on the show. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I have so many questions. Uh, but first, tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh,
1: well, I, I was born in Colombia in a city, the city of Cali uh, in 1993 and uh, I grew there until I was probably seven, and then I, uh, my family decided to move to Ecuador. So I spent in Ecuador probably about 10 years. Then after that, I went back to Colombia, and I, I needed to figure out what to do. And And I went to a workshop of a school called ICP, International Center of Photography in New York. They had a workshop in Bogota, in in, in Colombia. And that was kind of my first insight into the photography world and, and it's something that I felt I wanted to do. So that was kind of like the, the beginning for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, well, I decided to come here and study. They have a one-year program in photojournalism and documentary photography, uh, which is what I did in 2013. Okay. And, and I graduated in 2014 of it.
0: And, uh, and so with a, a degree in photojournalism, right?
1: It's, it's more of a certificate in photojournalism, mm-hmm. rather than a degree.
0: And so are you freelancing for newspapers?
1: So at the moment, yeah, I'm freelancing for the New York Times and the New York Daily News, mostly for the New York Daily News. I do a lot of spot news, crime scenes, uh, fire department calls, that kind of stuff that happens around the city, rallies, protests. Okay. Uh, New York, New York is such a big city that they, they they keep me pretty busy throughout the week.
0: Okay, so actually it would be really fun to have you on a show just to talk about that because uh, it's interesting, you know, how, how is the life of uh, a young photojournalist today, especially when you're not staff and you're freelancing? That would be a really good episode, so I may call you yeah. for that because I'm sure a lot of people would would, uh, would have a lot of questions for you. Oh,
1: I would I love to be part of it again and share some of the experience. It's, yeah. it's tough, I have to say it's tough, but, but it's also, you know, it's... Uh, it was my dream job as yeah. soon as i had the insight in photography that was my dream job to work for a big newspaper in a big city and be a crime scene photographer and, and i got it really quick so now i have like now i have to work hard thinking yeah. new dreams new, new things to achieve
0: i know and you know you you have to you have to go for it you have to live your dreams and it's it's a lot of work but if you want it badly enough you can make it happen and and uh, you're a testament of that. So that's, that's really <laughs> awesome. Uh, so how did, you, how did you get the idea for this photo essay? Uh, and was it during your studies or were you done?
1: So it was while I was doing my studies. Uh, throughout this one-year program in photojournalism, documentary photography, you were asked as a student to produce a long-term photo essay uh, documenting something. Whatever, whatever you want, each student can pick uh, any subject matter. Uh, before coming to the city, I was very interested in, in, in what's this cultural underground aspect of New York City, the one that we don't really get mm-hmm. in South America, because in South America, we usually get New York City as the most developed city and these amazing full stars, uh, and it's just it's, it's a great city and I love it and I'm, I'm here now and I still think that it's a great city.
0: You only and, see the shiny part of it. But,
1: but we only, yeah, we only see the, the very bright, shiny part of New York City. So I was very interested in, uh, coming from my Colombian background to see what is a little bit more of uh, the violence and this more uh, fit, in the, fit, in, fit in the ground reality of what New York City really it's been all these years about. Mm-hmm. So, so I had that idea in mind, and throughout the the one school, the one year school, uh, I decided that what I wanted to do is get embedded with a gang or infiltrate a gang and photograph them. Wow! So, well, so you
0: didn't go for the low hanging fruit; you went all out and and yeah. picked a really tough and challenging project.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was tough. My teachers were all the time on top of me. My editors were all the time on top of me because I was not producing enough work. Uh, because I was having a lot of, 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 of a very hard time getting access to photograph them
0: okay, so that's where that's where I want to start. Um, first of all, how did you pick the gang?
1: so i I didn't really pick the gang I knew about the Latin Kings, and I had made some general research about gangs in New York and I knew about let's say plots, creeps, Latin kings, etc gangs that are, that are in the city that are well known let's say and I didn't really pick it, but, but at the end, it pretty much, it picked me okay. just because I'm also Latin, I guess, and that, that was somehow helpful and the language, I, I didn't have any language barrier, but to, uh, talking to the members, so that was also helpful, but, but I didn't really pick it. it, I didn't have, my goal was not to photograph the Latin kings, it was to photograph any, any gang that I will get the access to first.
0: OK, so so how did you get access? That's uh, I mean, just just getting access is one thing, but getting access with your camera is another thing. <laughs> so how did it all start?
1: So well, I have this great teacher called Joseph Rodriguez. He's done a lot of work photographing gangs, and I'll, I'll probably most of you know, know him. And he was my teacher for, for a couple of weeks throughout my school year. And he told me, you know what, you just, need to hang. you just need to go and hang out in the projects, go and hang out in the housing projects, stay there, uh, bring your camera with you, bring a little notebook, and, and just stay there. Go in the morning, stay all day, get to know the environment, get to know the, the place, get to know the people that are always out there, just people always that, that don't have a job and they're always there. You get to know them and start making connections and make your way through uh, he gave me a couple addresses that I should go. I Googled a couple more, just like typing on Google, literally most dangerous or gang related housing projects in New York city. So you get a list of about 20, 10 or 20. And, and I just went to all of them and I'll just wow. hang around a couple of days a week when I, when I could, when I had time for it.
0: Wow. So, so the, the did, idea was to blend in really?
1: Yeah. The idea was, well, the, the idea started like that to blend in. Then after a couple of weeks of, of, of it being really hard to blend in, because I guess I don't, I don't really blend in that well, my, uh, my, my, my social economic status uh, is not great, but, but, but definitely it's, it's easy for them to notice that you don't belong to that place. Okay. So I decided to, I had this idea of taking, just going with my camera and doing this cover uh, project called People Living in the Neighborhoods where I would go and ask every single person that I see in the housing projects if I could take a quick portrait of them that I was a student and it was for school try to look as innocent as possible okay. and and I'll take a quick portrait of them and do a little 5 minute interview of a lot of people I did probably around 200 portraits and interviews in wow. throughout maybe a week or two so it was a lot of hard work and that way I profiled all these 200 people and uh, reduce the list maybe to 50 of them. So I contacted these 50. I usually will keep their phone numbers <clears throat> and contacted them to tell them that that I have a print of the photo that I took of them and that I would like to give it to them and meet again. That was just kind of like the way for me to get a get a grip to meet again.
0: Yeah, it's like a way to break, good way to break the ice. Really, go, go
1: for a second date.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that yeah, was kind of yeah. my idea and. And I did that, and this list of 50, maybe 20 of them replied to the message. So I went with these 20, and, and, and that's kind of like, that was kind of like the process. It was a little bit slower than just like three steps, but, but that's kind of like the process, and the list got reduced to maybe five people that I started photographing in a, much, in a daily basis or weekly basis, and, and I became much more familiar with them, and, and they started trusting me. Okay. And that's kind of that. That was kind of like my my first step into into documenting gang members. I was documenting these five guys. Uh, Two of them were from a gang called the Nietas, and three of them were from the Latin Kings. A couple of them knew each other, but most of them didn't know each other. So I was just jumping around from one to another, one day one, one day the other, and then and that was kind of like my first step. And then something kind of magical miracle happened one, one, one day while, while photographing one of these guys and it was we we're walking on the street in downtown Brooklyn and, and this guy said hello to a group of maybe 10-15 teenagers that were walking down the street. The guy I was photographing was 35 years old so he was what some people in the street call an OG, an original gangster so he's not really that much in the street Ganging and banging anymore. He's he's much more of a quiet guy, family guy at the moment. He's still part of the gang, but he doesn't deal with it the streets anymore. So he said hello he's, to these He's teenager.
0: semi-retired, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, I would say that's that's a that's a better term. And so he said hello to these teenagers, which we were which were around eighteen to twenty-five years old, and and that was just perfect because these kids are always in the street. They are very active. They are the ones that are with the colors, flashing everything. They're, they're very, they, they, they take the name of the gang out there. and They're the guys that are making it to the news and, and the guys that are much more active that I was really more interested into documenting. So he said hello to them and I, and I quickly say, hey, you know what? Let me just take a portrait of all, all of you and, and, and I'll give it to you. I'll give it back to you. I'll send you the file or we'll do something. So I took a portrait of these 15 kids with, with, with the guy I was photographing. And, and after that, I said goodbye. I quickly rushed to the city, printed the photo maybe like 10 times, went back to Brooklyn and I started calling like three numbers that they gave me of these kids uh, to meet with them and give them the photo that I just I had just taken a couple hours ago. So, so I did that, came back to Brooklyn and I met with one of them, came on a car to pick me up. And... And he got the photo and he really liked the photo. It was this black and white portrait of all of them in, in, in the street, uh, throwing the three-point crown, which is the hand sign that they do at the Latin Kings and, and and then he asked me, hey, you know what? It's it's 420, it's February, it's this like marijuana smoking day. And and they told me, you know what, we're gonna have a meeting, we're gonna have a party at this house. And uh, why don't you come with us? It's going to be tomorrow and I'll pick you up. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll go with you. I needed photos. My teachers were harassing me for getting photos for them and, and getting some feedback. So I said yes. I was extremely nervous. I, I went and I grabbed the smallest camera that I could grab and the cheapest one I could get. I didn't want it to yeah. get <laughs> control. So I really grabbed the smallest equipment gear I could. Wow. And, and I took a flash with me just because I was like, you know what? I'm taking this small camera. Maybe not the best ISO in the industry. So if I ever need some some light, I'm gonna take. I don't usually work with flash, but I was like, I'm gonna take the flash just in case I I need some light. And that's what I did. We went a small sports backpack, one camera, one flash, my wallet with my documents, and 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 a little notebook and a pen. That was that was me the first day, and I tried to dress. I was like asking friends, how should I dress? I mean, I'm not gonna go with a in a suit over there. (laughs) I need to to get dressed a little bit more appropriate. And I usually used to dress when I was going to a project. I used to change my my outfit to something a little bit more comfortable, let's say, uh, that will fit more in this scenario. Yeah,
0: not so, uh, not so conspicuous
2: for sure. Yes,
1: exactly. So, so well. I, the next day, I arrived to this location, and and they picked me up in, in a car, and we went to this one of the houses, which is one of the headquarters in Brooklyn in Bushwick, and there was about forty, maybe maybe a little bit more than 40 gang members inside this house. And, and I just, I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do, how to shoot it, how to photograph it. I was impressed by every single guy I was seeing. I wanted to photograph each and all of them. Mm-hmm. And, and I just didn't know what to do. I was completely lost and I was just shooting. I, I was just in my head, I was telling to myself, just, just, just photograph it. If you see it, you like it, just just take a photo of it. And maybe your teachers will tell you what to do afterwards and, and, and how you messed up the photo or, or, or what would have been a better scenario. So I did that and I just took a bunch of photos. And, and then we left on this car and the police officers stopped us maybe just like two blocks after leaving the house. Police officers uh, were tracking us and they stopped us. And then they, at the moment, stop and frisk, which is this law in New York City where they can stop you and, 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 and frisk you without any real reason for it, just because you look suspicious. Okay. So they did that and they frisked all of us except for me, uh, just because it seems like my outfit or whatever I was wearing. Yeah, didn't you didn't
0: really belong. Finish.
1: So they actually, the police officer actually asked me, Are you okay? I'm like, Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm here with them too. Like, why <laughs> are you. <laughs> me too. They didn't even ask for my idea or anything. But, but well, that was kind of like my first day experience, which was kind of shocking, but it was also, you know, I, I was very excited by the whole process. I have, like, adrenaline in my body, and I just wanted to keep doing it, and that was what I wanted. That's what I needed. I was extremely happy. I went the next day with photos to school. It was the first time in months that I will bring photos to school about what I wanted to photograph.
0: What wow. what was your, uh, what were your teachers' reaction?
1: So... You know they were very happy that I got the access. Of course, my photos were not great <laughs> because it was different. Like it was. I was and not you relieved. were and you
0: were nervous. I mean, you were nervous. Just mm-hmm. I mean, you're working on a project, but you were you probably were nervous for your safety as well.
1: Exactly, I was nervous for my safety. I was nervous. Uh, I was nervous for 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 several reasons. I was nervous for my safety. I was nervous of getting arrested. Um. Um. I'm like I'm on a visa here, so oh, I, can get, yes. I can get kicked out of this country any moment. So I have to be as careful as as possible, let's say, and try to have zero problems with the law. So I was nervous, not only of the gang being a problem for me, but also what the gang does, does and and me being related to that in yeah. some sort of of law police problem. <laughs> for sure. So I yes. was very nervous about that as well, and I didn't want it to be linked to that to that problem. So. So then, after that police officer stopped me and, and they didn't ask for me I, I i said to myself, you know what i i need to I need to blend in, but I also need to differentiate myself and 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 make and make people people need to be sure that I'm not part of the gang I, I, because I'm not and I don't want to be part of the gang. I just want to photograph them, so I also need to be different from them and and that was actually something very helpful because they they started seeing me as a Aim to what to who they are. So so they 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 saw my curiosity and they will feed it because they knew it was just curiosity. It was just it was just the need of me to know what's going on and what they're doing and, and, and how they live more than me trying to infiltrate or change something or, or become someone. It was just plain curiosity. So that gave them a lot of uh, I feel a lot of, of confidence for them and, and for me as well because I felt much more Secure with what what's my purpose and my call out of photographing them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <coughs> so, um, so how how often did you go?
1: So at the time I was I was still in school, so I had classes, but I was probably going from two to three days a week okay. uh, in the afternoons. I'll leave school at five and go over there and stay probably until eleven wow. p.m. photographing them.
0: And, and I assume you didn't show up with a full backpack full of. L lenses. Uh, what what gear did you bring?
1: So at the beginning, I was bringing a a Fuji X Pro One. Okay. With one thirty five millimeter lens and a flash, and I brought that for probably about a month. And then just because of conditions of the camera and the and the light conditions that I was that I was dealing with, it was very dark. The, yeah. the housing projects had very low lights they're very very dimmed. so so i have to have to change gears and i started photographing with a mark 3 and a 35 millimeter lens I, I tend to use only 24 and 35 millimeter lenses Okay,
0: yeah so a minimal so, minimal gear you didn't want to bring any expensive extra gear with you anyways
1: yeah exactly i was already bringing a three thousand dollar camera at the time yeah. with me so i was like i cannot i cannot put myself in risk and will that'll, that'll, Get me bankrupt if I get that stolen. So, yeah, yeah. so I was just bringing a yeah, it was a Canon Mark III, which is a great camera, and a thirty-five millimeter lens and a twenty-four millimeter lens, and, and, and that was it. Okay, that was all my gear at the time.
0: And and from those images, you, you used a lot of the available light. Really, did you uh, did you still use flash a little bit to balance it, or
1: or never deep,
0: never just never? Available I, I light? think
1: I think there's probably. One one image that I use flash once just because I decided to make some portraits of them and I and I brought a flash and an umbrella and, and I photographed with it. Yeah. But but I think there's only one image of that of that group that I that I use and you know all the other ones I didn't really like because once I was photographing with, since I was photographing with available light, as soon as you photograph with flash and you're gonna put your photos in a series then based they they stand
0: out. Yeah.
1: they stand out, or they, they just don't not really it didn't make sense as a series.
0: For sure. So <laughs> yeah. so you went for you went for how many weeks?
1: I went. I, I I still go today. Oh, you do. So so I've been I've been documenting them probably for a little bit more than a year, a year and a half. Wow. So I, I I I still go and I still do a lot of stuff and try to work with them as much as possible and I'm. Expanding a little bit to more of an interview, multimedia, video situation at the moment, which is kind of complicated for me. I'm very, I'm very, let's say, I don't know, I'm like, it takes me a long time to learn something new Mm -hmm. when it's regarding technology or systems. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a slow process, but I'm slowly getting into it and I'm trying to make something good out of it.
0: So, throughout the, all those weeks, what, what surprised you the most?
1: Uh, I think, you know what, I, uh, at the beginning when I started photographing them, as I said before, I came, I came with, this, with this mindset of photographing them as, as, as the violent urban culture of New York City was kind of like my goal and my idea of the way I wanted to portray the, the situation. And just after a couple of months, I, I really fell in love with, with the situation, with these guys and, 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 and who they are. And, and, and I just I changed my idea completely. And I started photographing much more of their, their camaraderie, their, their brotherhood, their family aspect, the love they have for each other, the community. and and i was just much more interested in that afterwards and Mm -hmm. and that's what i started doing so
0: and that shows that shows in the images for sure yeah yeah
1: i i i i became much more in love with that than anything else so i started to kind of get away from any single violent conflictive moment that there might be and just get focused on, on on more maybe not candid but more like natural, natural daily life. Yeah,
0: I mean, the, the human aspect versus yeah. the preconceived ideas.
1: Yeah, because it's not really candid. I, I don't like, maybe I don't like that word that much, but it's much more of a raw daily yeah. routine of being a gang member, What I like to photograph mm-hmm. nonfiction. It, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're people. And yeah, you photograph yeah, people uh, in, in, in intimate situations in their homes with their friends and so forth. And, and that really shows in, in the images. Um, did, did you get a lot of rejections by some members? or?
2: Uh,
1: you know what happened. Uh, this guy who invited me to the 420 party that I was telling you about, he's the leader of the South Side uh, Gang in Brooklyn, which is a very, very large tribe. And and once I once you get hooked up with a leader or the leader if they want helping you, even if someone doesn't want to be photographed and I respect that I don't photograph them, but it gives me the access immediately. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah. what um any stories that stood out the most? Any any people? I mean, how old <coughs> were those kids? I mean some how old how young were the youngest?
1: So majority of gang members join a gang between the ages of 13 and 15.
2: Wow. Which
1: is that's very young. very young and and the, and the and the reasons why they join, gang, uh, join gangs are 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 multiple but they are usually related to the same thing which is uh, poverty, uh, lack of opportunities, <laughs> lack of education or lack of understanding at home, it's a bad bad family environment in their home. Mm-hmm. So so that's something that th- those four seem to be for me the, the main reasons of why these kids join gangs at such a, like, teenage.
0: Yeah, young uh,
2: teenagers. Well, yeah,
1: phase of their lives. So uh, the, the people I was photographing was around 18 to maybe 30 years old. Okay. 30 being the, the leaders and the people that is much more on top or or, or, or dealing more with, with, with the business side of the gang, which is street-level drug dealing. And, and the teenagers are the ones that are, Pretty much working for them.
2: Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so, any 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 story? And I know you have to. Re- I mean, you can't talk so freely about everything you've seen. But anything that really stood out for you? Any any stories that you want to share? That you can share?
1: Yeah. So so, for example, just like one one thing that I've always been. There's a, there's a couple moments that that I've always somehow regretted and because of not being ready mm-hmm. or, or because of, of just thinking for too long, you miss moments. And yeah. that's just the reality of photography. And, and sometimes I dream about these photos that I should have taken and I didn't. Uh, one day, one day we went doing, we were doing a barbecue in this park in Brooklyn and we finished the barbecue and we left and we all separated. We all went our ways and I got a call saying, Hey, one of the guys just got stabbed in the neck. He was a friend of us, and just got stabbed in the neck. So we're going to Woodhill Hospital, which was the closest hospital. So I rush over there. I take my car I take my camera out, and I rush over there. And before getting to the hospital, I was like, you know what? They're not going to allow me with a camera inside. So I put my camera in my inside my backpack, and and just set it in my backpack to go inside and talk to the police officers to see if they will let me go in and see him in, inside the. It's inside his bedroom in the hospital. So, so, I did that trying to get into the ER and I was talking to this police officer. And uh, while I was talking to the police officer, just five police officers rushed out of the building. And I'm like, there's gotta be something going on. So, what happened is that when they were fighting and this guy got stabbed in the neck, he also stabbed a member from the enemy gang. And so they were both in the same hospital. And both guys went, went there to visit them. Oh. So they started, they started fighting outside. Bad
0: combination, yeah.
1: <clears throat> so these police officers started rushing out. So I immediately stopped talking to these police officers, turn around and start rushing out uh, to see what's going on. But I had my camera in my backpack. And, and it just took me too long to get there and take the camera out. And it was already over. Uh, and it was one of those moments I was like, you know what, I... I I need to change gears or, or do something else. And, and I decided to, to get a small point-and-shoot camera to just have it in my pocket, always ready. Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of my next approach, and that's pretty much what I use nowadays. I don't even bring big cameras anymore. I use a small Sony rx one r which has a very good ISO uh, sensitivity, and it's a very, very good camera, and it's just a point-and-shoot with a 35mm lens, full frame. It's a, it's, it's a great, great piece of equipment, and, and that's what I've been using lately it's much it's super small so it's less destructive uh distracting and, and it helps much more with talking to people while you're photographing them
0: for sure yeah they don't they don't feel so threatened yeah. for sure so
1: so yeah that situation kind of pushed me to to be like you know what I, I cannot keep having this big piece of gear it makes me look too professional yeah and too clumsy i need something else something smaller so i tried the fuji x100s and all the cameras and and I ended up going for the Sony.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, any other moment
2: you want to share? Uh, so
1: yeah, there's been a couple. Uh, uh, about three, four months ago, uh, a friend of mine, and I'll say his name. His name is Simba. Uh, he got. He was a 20 year old, 20 year old kid, younger than me, and he's probably one of the nicest kids in the gang, and just we were. he was always he was dealing with drugs a lot and and there was one day where when I just got a call saying that that he got stabbed in in Brooklyn and I photographed a lot of crimes for my newspaper and I had photos of this kid and and I knew my newspaper didn't And, and and they contacted me to see if I if if I knew anything or had anything and and I had to deny it because I didn't want it to share. Sure. I, didn't wa- I didn't want the gang members to be part of, like, just headlines on newspapers. I want to, my story is trying to just get a little more in-depth about, actually, their life is, like, not just a currency photograph. So this kid got stabbed 20 times in Williamsburg in Brooklyn. And then, and then the, the gang that I photographed has this fight with other guys from other members from the same gang that live in a different neighborhood. And it was just beautiful for me because we did a candlelight ceremony and, and members, a lot of members from both of the tribes, both of the, the chapters, different neighborhoods were there. And, and, and when we got there, when we met there, there, there was still this, this, this mindset of conflict between both of them. And then two of the leaders just met up, handshake. They were both crying and, and they both said to each other, you know what, there's, right now there's no beef, there's, nothing's going to happen. And, and this is for, for our kid Simba. And this is what we're doing for our brother. And, and that's it. And we're going to respect it. And then we had probably three detective cars that just blocked the street just to take photos of every single person that was there, because I guess they're all persons of interest for the police. And, and, and one car, one of these guys just opened his car and, and started putting very loud sentimental hip hop, I guess. And... And it was just a very, it was for me just a very nice environment to see that there's this, this human, very caring part of them. And they're very, they're very given to, to other members and to their situation and, mm-hmm. and the love they have for like each a other. Like s-
0: some sort of solar- solidarity, really.
1: Yes. Yes, always. And, and, and they even made, they made a group on Facebook to, to help the family of, of, of Sima was poor to, to help them pay for the funeral service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 it just like went a little bit beyond what I expected them to to be and it surprised me. Yeah. Uh, And and I took photos of that moment and and I just felt I felt really happy about it.
0: So how how has this project changed your life and and your your career path? I mean obviously it's it's confirmed what you wanna do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 well, yeah, that's probably the, the, the reason number one. It's, it's definitely confirmed that I have passion for this and that I like it and I enjoy it and that, that it is what I want to do, which is probably something that a lot of teenagers my age still deal with, uh, to just get to know what they really want to do. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm happy to say that I'm very confident doing what I do and that it is what I like mm-hmm. to do. And so that's kind of in a personal way, that's changed me that way, and it's also uh, opened me a little bit more to, to don't use the stereotypes and, and really get more involved, get to know the people, talk to people. Uh, it made, made me much more confident into approaching situations that might be complicated to get an access to or be able to photograph with, with much more, a much more confident, easier way for me to do that now.
0: And uh, so, when uh, how how did you grow as a photographer? As I'm sure your 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 professors were giving you feedback on a weekly basis on on the quality of your photojournalistic skills. Yeah. Um, how, what did they say?
1: So, so usually for me, at the beginning, it was a lot to deal with the composition. I was. I was very clumsy with my composition and not really taking that much care of, of, of my corners or borders or anything like that. I was barely thinking about it. And and you know, with digital cameras, you just shoot out three, four 500 images in an hour and and that's it, and you're happy with it. And 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 it was for me, for me it was a lot of <clears throat> slow down, take your time, and now sometimes I go and I just take 20, 30, 50 photographs and and of 50 that I take, maybe none of them make it. But, but the truth is that of 500 that I was taking, also maybe none of them will make mm-hmm. it. So so I've become a much more slower shooter and much more conscious of what I'm photographing and how I'm photographing, it, which was, in a technical aspect, very helpful mm-hmm. for me <clears throat> to focus much more on my composition and, and what I'm doing. And, and then I, I became very interested in human rights and, and, and laws uh, about... How like photograph people in a let's say respectful way that it's ethical. Yeah. So I'm very interested in that as well, and and, and how ph- photographers deal with that. So so I decided to involve that in my photography as well, and how to photograph a situation without uh, damaging the pe- the person that I'm photographing, or myself, or someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all, doing, all about
0: respect.
1: Do we need as ethical as possible? Maybe not neutral because I guess photography is not really neutral and I don't go to photograph something with a neutral mindset but but yes as as clinical as I can like, uh.
0: for sure yeah <coughs> and um, any any exhibit or any special recognition ca- came Yet, out of this project
1: Yeah, it's actually a lot which I'm really grateful with all the people that is behind 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 me and uh, that has helped me or or it's everything, pretty much. As, as soon as I graduated from school, I got accepted to the Edith Adams Workshop, which is a great workshop, and I encourage everyone to apply. It's, it's tuition free, and they get a bunch of submissions, and only a hundred students are accepted each year. and And just just to get accepted is such a such a great distinction, because. From three thousand people that maybe submit their work all around the world, only hundred get there, and, and it's lectures with great photographers. You get to shoot an assignment for them, mm-hmm. and and I got that straight out of school, which wow. was great. Great. And and they've been really helpful, and it's a great workshop. I really encourage everyone that can get involved with that family of the editors workshop should do it.
0: Yeah, we'll put the link. Uh, you'll, you'll you'll send me the link. I'll put that in the show notes.
1: We'll do. That'll be great. Mm-hmm. And. And also, well, after that, I not that not that not that fast, but maybe six months afterwards, I started already working for the New York Daily News, and I got a couple of things published in the New York Times, which was really fast in, in comparison to to other of, of my uh, co students throughout my year. Mm-hmm. So that that happened really fast, and now lately, just in the last maybe three four months, uh, the project again has got a lot of. Uh, recognition, and they've done a couple video interviews of me and my work. Uh, There's an exhibition at at ICP. Uh, We did a show called Rear Windows at Invisible Dog in Brooklyn, which is a great gallery space, Uh, and my work was part of it. And now we're having that exhibition, that show Rear Windows, again, at ICP. Uh, The opening is next week, 16th of September
0: okay that's uh uh, the show will air after that unfortunately
1: doesn't matter but but it'll be it's gonna be here probably for about three two months
0: oh great Uh, great. if anyone is
1: in the new york city area it's a great show there's five photographers chris okay uh which was one of your yes
0: he was on the show
1: before he's also part of the show so so two of us are here and and it'll be nice. It'll be great. If you, whoever can come, come. It's, it's great work. All documentary, photojournalistic work. And it'll be nice to, to, to have anyone here that listens to the podcast to come visit. And then we have, I have another, I got, I'm one of the winners of the Latin American Photographia. Uh, so there's an exhibition opening reception the 3rd of November for that, and then there's a slideshow of them that, that they have. I got the Burn Magazine Emerging Talent Award as one of the runner-ups, <clears throat> which gave me a Fujifilm camera, uh, which I do not use that much. I should use it more often. And, and they published my story. And there's been a couple of things. I, I was one of the editors for, for Guatemala Photo Festival, Photo Festival, I think it's called, And there's some plans that I might go and represent ICP and give a lecture over there in Guatemala in in the next couple of weeks.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations. That's fantastic. I mean, it's a a lot of hard work, took a lot of courage, and and, and it paid off. So Um, now... Do you want to give an advice to someone who, I mean, I'm not going to recommend that everybody goes out and just infiltrates a gang and, you know, to yeah. tell their story that takes a lot of preparation and, and it can obviously be dangerous, but any tip <coughs> to, um, a young photographer that wants to pursue a career in photojournalism, uh, as a documentary photographer, how to, to get into a, a project that will, you know, give them some recognition potentially.
1: Yeah, I will, I will say there's a couple of advices that I, I, I tend to give. One of them is, is just in photographic matter. Uh, always be ethical. Uh, be respectful with the people you're photographing. Uh, and, and approach them in a very humble way. Uh, when, it's, uh, when it's about photographing gangs or photographing something that is somehow dangerous uh, uh, or, or someone that is in a different situation than yours, always try to Read. Make some research. I always make research before photographing any any single thing I'm gonna photograph, and 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 try to grab onto things that maybe you relate with. Mm-hmm. So if I'm gonna photograph gang members and these gang members are from South America, uh, just in general ideas, they probably like football. Or if they're Puerto Ricans, they probably like baseball. And and then I'll read about baseball just to have something that I can relate with them, and I'll make them feel that. That there's something that we have in common yeah find so, some commonality so, mm-hmm. so i would say try to try to put yourself in any context it can be sports it can be family it can be political uh, point of view it can be whatever you want that you think will be good for the approach but try to find something that you can that you can make you can relate with and that will bring you to the same level that they are that will, not, will make you look like you're over them because you don't play football or that you don't care about football or yeah. whatever it is. Very, very good point. <clears throat> so I'll say that Tip. always, always try to find something that that will help you relate with whoever you're talking to. If it is an 80 year old man, then find something, maybe it's music, his passion, investigate about it, make some research yeah. about it. And if it is music, then make some research about music. And maybe the next day you'll talk about a couple artists that you might think he likes and, and maybe he doesn't like them. And that will be great still because then you can, You know about something and you can discuss, and just being able to discuss a subject matter with someone that you want to photograph just makes things much more easier, and and, and trust just flows much
0: more easier for sure for sure well this has just been great i i learned a lot uh i'm really in awe with what you've accomplished in such a short time and i i wish you uh so much success in your in in your photojournalistic career and and yes for sure i think it would be really fun to have you on the show just to talk about that that part of uh you know how to how to be a young uh, freelance photojournalistic photojournalist today. Uh, especially a in a newspaper. Yeah, in a big like in big city like New York.
1: Yeah, um, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd be, be awesome.
0: Great. So where can people see more of your work?
1: So people can go to my website, which is my namelastname.com.
0: Would why, and, why don't you spell it out for people who may not go to the show notes?
1: So www nicolas enrique Great. That's my website. I have a blog there that I update. Then I'm a very big fan of Instagram. So you can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter. I post photos there, if not daily, maybe two, three times a week. And I have a couple Instagram handle takeovers that I need to do in the next following week. So I'll, I'll be posting a lot for sure in the next month. Uh, my Instagram is N-I-C-O-E-N-R-I-1-2.
0: Great. Well, Nicolas, thank you so much. And uh, I'll definitely have you on the show again soon.
1: Thank you so much, Valérie. I'll look forward for it.
0: Thank you. And we are right. at the end of another episode of Street Focus. Please head over to thisweekendphotocom street to subscribe to the show. And if you want to see what's happening in my world, all links are available on my website at Valeriejardinfotography.com, all in one word. Share the love and tell your friends about the show. My name is Valérie Jardin and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets!